and welcome to The Dirt, in partnership with Marshall's Garden. We're the podcast that doesn't want to herb your enthusiasm. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own magazine. And I'm The Dirt's co-host, Blake. We'll be chatting homegrown kiwis and killing houseplants later in the show. But first, we've got one of the loveliest people in horticulture. It's everyone's fave, Kirsty Ward. Hi, Kirsty. How are you doing? Hello. I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me on the podcast. You're most welcome. Um, how are things in your garden? Did you get much snow last week? Has your garden recovered from that yet, if you did? Yeah, we've had quite a lot of snow and really cold weather. So unfortunately, for the past couple of weeks, I've not been doing as much gardening and a and allotment um, type stuff as I wanted to but it's thankfully all melted away and the sun is shining so I'm hoping to get back down there as soon as possible Mm. maybe even this afternoon (laughs) yeah seeing the sun makes such a difference doesn't it it's really started to feel a little bit more like spring now I think or at least that it's on the horizon yeah definitely it's feeling it's feeling really good and I think with everything going on at the moment I think it's it's feeling really positive now the sun's shining the snow's gone and hopefully we can get sowing our seeds and enjoying our garden spaces again it's always a bit frustrating when you get a load of snow like that because it's like yes it looks really pretty and it's nice for about you know the first couple of hours and then it's like can you just go now please because I want to get back outside yes definitely (laughs) um so first off we were wondering if you would be able to tell us about some of your biggest successes since you've been growing your own? Yeah, I think it's possibly one of my biggest successes, but also maybe slightly a bit of a failure as well, is Big Macs. So obviously every year I love to grow a giant pumpkin. Now the first year I ever attempted this, I did really well and um, it was going great. And then the pumpkin split on the vine and unfortunately it rotted. So, you know, we get to year two and I have another go at growing this giant pumpkin called Big Max that everyone knows and follows along with. And unfortunately, um, Big Max was very, very tiny. (laughs) And then, you know, we've got into year three, which is the the last year. And it's probably my biggest biggest success on the allotment and so he grew massive it was so much fun growing him and in the end he weighed like 75 pounds so like 30 something kilograms and he was absolutely huge and um it was just so much fun to grow so much fun to like watch like the plant develop and then see how quickly he would grow like you could Mm -hmm. see from one day to the next there was like this big jump in in his growth and then you know and then it was like my birthday so the 5th of October I actually got to harvest him and then I just managed to pick him up and get a photo in front of my shed with him and honestly I feel like it was the the best moment ever like three years later finally (laughs) finally I got there (laughs) that was a good birthday present then oh absolutely and actually it's only um Max has actually been outside of my house from from then, like obviously for Halloween because we like to decorate with the like with the girls, and um, it's only recently that mm. actually I've um, I've had to sort of say goodbye to him because of all the frost and the snow. But um, people oh, like yeah. walk past the house and yeah. have been like telling me like how much they look like their kids love the pumpkin, and it's just so great to have like it feels like mm-hmm. from April from sowing the seeds like all the way till now like he's been part of <laughs> my life <laughs> like a person <laughs> and yeah I've just absolutely loved so it. So you're going to be growing another big one again this year? 
I am. So instead of using a Big Max pumpkin seed, which I normally um, use, I've actually gone for a proper giant veg pumpkin seed this year. So I'm like sort of like go big or go home this year and I'm really going to go for it. (laughs) (laughs) And that must have um, been a lovely project. Um, You mentioned your girls. It must have been a lovely project to have them involved in as well, because I guess that's something that can appeal to gardeners of all ages. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's such a great way to get sort of all the family involved you know um Mm. having a bit of like a pumpkin grow off or growing a a large pumpkin like from the moment you like sow the seeds at home and you grow them on your windowsill like they develop really quickly and that's Mm -hmm. what what kids really love is actually seeing something that develops really quickly rather than sowing something and waiting months and months and months for it to pop through. You know, you get that instant sort of gratification with the fact that you sow a seed and probably in 48 hours, you've got a little seedling and then Mm. it grows so rapidly over the next sort of four weeks on your windowsill. And then once it gets into the ground, honestly, well, they're sort of like a triffid really. They just cover the space so quickly. Mm. And then once you finally pollinated you get to see it grow like on a daily basis and every time I took the girls to the allotment they would go running like I wonder how big Max is and they'll like sprint <laughs> down to the allotment to get there before me and I'm there like running after them because I can't wait to see it <laughs> um, so it's it's a really nice way to sort of get family and children involved like growing growing things like big pumpkins or you know, things like that. It's really good. Um, so have you had any things that just haven't gone to plan at all when you've been on your allotment? Uh, yeah. Or sort of mistakes, failures, that kind of thing? Yeah, definitely. Um, more than I probably would like to let on. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, honestly, like thinking about this, it's definitely that I fail with what should be the simple stuff. So, you know, oh, let's grow some beetroot. You know, everyone grows beetroot in an abundance. Not me. No, (laughs) I sow the seeds and have an absolute nightmare with them. But, you know, if you want me to grow you a gourd or a loof or a giant pumpkin, I'm your girl. Like, I can do it. (laughs) Like, all the complicated stuff (laughs) seems to work. Um, But, yeah, I've had a bit of a battle with beetroot for probably about three years, really. I just seem to have just yeah it's just a nightmare if I'm honest and even things like you know carrots I mean you go to the shop to get some seeds for children and it's like grow carrots because they're easy well I don't find them easy (laughs) but you know give me something that tends to be a bit like more exotic and a little bit um a little bit more difficult and I'm 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 much better I wonder why that is Mm. what do you think have you sort of managed to pin down why that is or are you just none the wiser no I mean maybe it's because I'm like oh this should be easy so I'll let it do its thing and you know I sow my or this is going to be harder so I'm going to really research it like look after it and love it (laughs) yeah so sort of yeah so you know a loofah seed and really like look after it like it's my baby you know check up on it speak to it water it (laughs) show it all my love and attention but then you know the beetroot seeds get thrown in and hope for the best (laughs) maybe that's where I'm going maybe this is the year are you are you trying again with beetroot this summer or yes definitely have you had enough (laughs) 
yeah, I've probably have had enough, but I'll give it one more go because I'm stubborn and um, <laughs> I'm going to have um, a success yeah. story. Won't be <laughs> no, definitely yeah. not. We, um, well, that's something that we always say on here. It always seems to come back to the fact that it's hard to feel like you don't want to try again because there's always that next season and there's always that time that, oh, this might be the time that it works. And I think that's <laughs> yeah. such a lovely thing. Yeah, about it's that you get that really. opportunity to give it a go again next year. And obviously it depends on what the weather's like or um, it can be down to a lot of factors mm. as to why you maybe didn't succeed. And it's so great that, you know, it's not very long again until you, you know, you get to have another go. And I absolutely love that about growing your own. It is about giving it a go, you know, failing or making a mistake and then, Mm. and then trying again. Yeah, definitely. And then the feeling of satisfaction when something that hasn't gone well before does go well. I guess it it seems all the sweeter for it. Oh, de- definitely. It's one of the best feelings. That was, you know, definitely what it was like for me, you know, 2019, a tiny little pumpkin that should have been giant and then 2020 sort of redeeming myself <laughs> and so, coming back with this huge pumpkin. <laughs> I think what we do need to ask you with the giant pumpkins is um, with the one that you're going to do this year, do you have any plans for if it's your biggest one yet? Are we going to see you like Matthew Oliver at the RHS going down the river in your pumpkin as a boat or anything like Literally, that? <laughs> that is the dream. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I don't know, like I'd love to... Um, try even if it's just you know like a local show like try and grow something that is good enough to go into yeah. like a local show where they do sort of like giant mm. pumpkins um but also like I, I saw last year like with giant veg they they took like their pumpkin and their giant pumpkins to like the zoo for like the for like animals to have oh. and stuff so like this year I really want to do that like you know go and take it so um so that they you know they can have it I think that's really cool yeah. I think the, the kids would really love that that um that you could take it to the zoo for the animals yeah. to squash and eat although <laughs> oh. <laughs> just think it that yeah. sounds so like so awesome so yeah definitely would love to get um a giant pumpkin in the show the only problem I've got is I struggled to lift <laughs> this pumpkin <laughs> get it in my yeah. car and get it home so I'm thinking if I do have one that's any bigger what am I gonna do <laughs> have to get everybody else at the allotment sort of get everybody yeah. on different yeah. different parts of it all lifting it together yeah and I've seen that they um like a lot of people grow their giant pumpkins on like pallets and stuff so mm-hmm. it's easier to move I mean I, I mean I hope I get one that needs that's big enough to be on a pallet um, <laughs> maybe not at that stage yet but um yeah like what if I do grow it and I haven't put it on a pallet and then it's extremely successful <laughs> and I can't move it um so having looked through your Instagram feed and I'm always on your page um I know that you have a lot of cool little hacks and shortcuts and things that you do yeah. one is that you upcycled a bath right a, like a bathtub oh, into yes. a planter oh yeah my roll top bath (laughs) yeah which looks amazing I know to be honest it's better than my actual bath in my home but (laughs) (laughs) it's something that I I've always wanted on the allotment you know I've seen that people use baths and I was like but I want a roll top bath with the feet Mm. and I want to make it look beautiful so obviously that's been planted up with lots of spring bulbs so lots of tulips and then it's going to have dahlias in and I'm thinking of doing tumbling tomatoes over the side so mix it up and have like veg veg and flowers so I'm really excited Mm. about that but um 
obviously with the time of the year like everyone's going to be starting to sow like their seeds inside now so I'd say like one of my biggest top tips is about like your compost so if you're planning to sow your seeds inside don't keep your compost bag outside bring it inside for a couple of days and let the compost sort of get to like a room temperature Mm -hmm. so you're not sowing your seeds Mm -hmm. into like cold compost and then when you do sow your seeds make sure you water them with warm water I do this every year and I water them with warm water until they germinate I find mm-hmm. that they germinate quicker and um, I have a lot more success mm-hmm. and also if you do have a windowsill with a radiator underneath it that's where I normally pop my seed um, like propagators because you just get that extra bit of heat and it's just like little things like that just make it's so much more like successful um yeah I think I think that is definitely one of my top tips for like getting started that's great as well for anybody who perhaps doesn't have um an undercover space at their allotment or maybe just grows in their garden and doesn't have room for a greenhouse or anything it's good to sort of hear you don't actually need those things if you've got a windowsill with a radiator under it it can give everything that little boost yeah definitely and if you don't have a windowsill with a you know like a radiator as long as you've got like a sunny windowsill if you use you know make sure your compost isn't cold and and water with warm water it really helps that germination process which some people struggle with Mm. so definitely give it a go it can be really disheartening at the start of the season as well if you are having trouble and you just don't get off to a good start because it can sort of impact the rest of the summer I guess yeah because then you start to like worry like oh my god are my plants gonna you know am I gonna get them to germinate in time for me to then get them to have like good established roots so then I can plant them out when the sun comes and the frost goes and yeah it can sort of spiral into the whole growing season if you're if Mm. you're you know not successful at, at the start or struggling um so I also really love that you grow quite a lot of flowers on your allotment plot don't you in in amongst the veg and stuff like that so have you got any that you think are really good um companions to grow alongside veg or do you just grow them because they look nice yeah so for me it's all about encouraging pollinators to the plot so obviously you know it's that I do have my big showy dahlias like I absolutely love them but I definitely make up for the fact that they are not you know great for pollinators by planting as many plants as possible in and around the beds and I have like um sort of separate areas for the flowers so I love to grow things like cornflowers nasturtiums bor- mm. um borage yeah. and also with those they're all edible flowers as well so they serve like two purposes like one they're encouraging all these wonderful pollinators to help pollinate the vegetables but also they're edible flowers so then I take those edible flowers and I make lovely ice cubes for summer drinks so there's always a thought process behind what goes into these, you know, veg beds. Um, but yeah, I am, you know, I do have those showy dahlias. I mean, they're I, important too. Like you've got, a, you know, you want to look the best on the on the whole yeah. allotment site, don't <laughs> yeah, you? Really? I exactly. imagine that yours, your plot is probably the nicest one in the whole yeah. area. I mean, don't tell my dad because he's next to me. He'd probably think his is better. <laughs> but um, a bit yeah. Of definitely competition um but yeah like my my dahlias hold that purpose that I love them I love like the way they make me feel every time I go to the plot I'm greeted with these big beautiful colorful flowers and that gives me such a great feeling so Mm. it's about having a balance you know what you like what's good for the you know for the environment and 
and making sure that you do everything that you enjoy and love. I think there's a lot to be said for the fact that, um, you know, you don't want to get so wrapped up in what you're growing as being, oh, this is productive and practical, but, Mm -hmm. you know. I don't actually want to be in this place because that is all it's serving. Yeah. You want yeah. to have those dual purpose things, I think, as yeah. well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, sort of making it a nice a nice space to spend time in as much as what is being produced from the space. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing better than going to the allotment, making a cup of tea or whatever mm. your choice of tipple is, and then just spending it like sat looking at what like what you've achieved mm-hmm. or what the allotment looks like. And for me, that's what I can smell, what I can see, you know, what I can taste. Like yeah. it's about all of it. And um, obviously it links in with like, you know, well-being. And that's why I got my allotment in the first place. So it's not just about going down there and, and digging and planting all the time. It's about enjoying what I've created. Mm, definitely. And I th- I think um, that more than ever, the well-being side of things has really come into play for a lot of people um, in this last year. And the fact that just having a beautiful space outdoors to spend some time in I think has helped a lot of people a lot yeah it really has and it's great to see so many more people you know from all different backgrounds different ages getting involved with growing their own or you know mm-hmm. um, being in their gardens and using these spaces to make themselves feel better and mm-hmm. you know and that more and more people are understanding that gardening is really great for our well-being and for de-stressing and for just feeling happy I mean who doesn't look at some beautiful flowers and not smile I I can't Mm. you know I think it's so infectious (laughs) yeah yeah definitely so before we let you get on with your afternoon we would just like to ask you if you can look back at your time growing so far, if there's one key lesson that you've learned in that time, what would you say that would be? So that kind of ties in with what we were just speaking about. And it's about enjoying the space. It's about, mm. you know, looking at what you've done and what you've created and all that hard work you've put in, but actually enjoying it. So so like you say, sitting in that space and and enjoying what's going on you know for me I never thought I was a very creative person but obviously my allotment is Mm -hmm. like my creative outlet and it's it's about Mm -hmm. like just being creative having fun you know and you know you 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 can look at like magazines and think all those flowers shouldn't go together but if you like Mm -hmm. them put them together you know it doesn't matter you know have fun creating the spaces I've I've tried to like upcycle things like you know bike wheels and baths and I've had people on the other allotment spaces sort of like why have you got a bath why have you got you know bike wheels but I love it I love the way it looks it's going to look really fun and it's definitely yeah just just enjoy what you're doing enjoy what you've created um because we don't often get that much chance to sit back and take a look at it and go wow actually it's it's really nice so make sure you take that time out to do oh, it thank you mm. so much Kirsty. there were yeah. lovely warm words of wisdom for us to end on um, <laughs> yes, so definitely. we will let you get off to your allotment site and um if you're going to go off and do that this afternoon and laura i think we have a chat with marshall's coming up we do So 
So, Blake, we have something a little bit different this week from Marshall's Garden. We have Malcolm and Paul on the line who will be going head-to-head debating dig and no-dig methods. But we don't want to start any arguments between colleagues, so (laughs) we'll keep it friendly. Um, So, hello, Malcolm and Paul. How are you both doing? Hi, Laura. Good to talk to you again. Very well and enjoying the better weather here in Norfolk. Oh, yes. Yes, it's been lovely to see a little bit of sunshine, hasn't it? Indeed, yes, and a bit of warmth, getting things moving. Good afternoon, Laura. Yes, the uh, the weather in Suffolk is uh, is not bad at all, positively spring-like. So we're going to dive straight in with the debate. And um, Malcolm, as you'll be talking about the um, slightly more traditional dig method, I think we'll start with you if that's okay. So could you explain what the dig method is and what the benefits are? Uh, Yes, indeed. Uh, Being the slightly older one of the two, I've been given the more traditional uh, approach. I don't know whether they think I'm an old fogey, but anyway, here goes. (laughs) (laughs) In terms of uh, some of the key facts that we've unearthed on uh, digging. So Uh, If soil has become compacted, then digging is the best way to loosen it. Uh, It allows air in, which is good for the plant roots, Mm -hmm. and it also helps drainage. It needs to be done at the right time, of course. Uh, Goldilocks would know what to do. If it's too wet, then it just compacts the soil. And if it's too dry, digging is just too difficult. But if you get it just right, it's a good time to dig. It's also a good way of incorporating manure and fertilisers into the soil quickly. Yeah. And for these reasons, it can be particularly useful for areas new to cultivation, such as a lawn or for anybody that's taken on a new built house um, and having to unearth all of the rubble and so on uh, in the garden. It's extremely useful there. Uh, It's a good way to remove weeds or to smother annual weeds that haven't yet seeded and of course to clear the remnants of a previous crop in the soil it also exposes root eating pests ready for the birds to feed on Mm. but timing is everything and traditionally it was something that was recommended for the autumn especially on heavier soils leaving the larger clods of earth to be broken up by the frost but of course we know how wet the autumn has been in recent years and you just have to pick your timing right, as I said earlier. Yeah. Um, and and lastly, I would just say that um, there are some crops like potatoes where uh, they the soil will really benefit from being dug over there. Mm. Uh, I guess uh, my own thoughts are that digging is fantastic when you stop. It feels <laughs> great then. And uh, there's always the possibility that you might unearth some buried treasure. But maybe that's a long shot. No, I mean, that is a that is an excellent point, I would say, and does add an element of excitement that <laughs> maybe you wouldn't have otherwise. Especially um, when you take on a new plot and you don't know what's going to be under there at all. Yeah. It's usually um, rubble, though. Yes, <laughs> but yeah. you never know. <laughs> um, so, Paul, would you like to state your side for no dig? Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll just start by saying that I actually like digging. Um, it's something that I get a great deal of of pleasure from doing it's it's great exercise i've actually got a a spade that was my grandfather's spade and then it was my father's spade and um more recently it's been my spade and there's a there's a real kind of generational connection with that lovely worn 
spade with yeah. its, its ash handle with the with the T on the top. So I have to say I do like digging. However, I believe f certainly for the vegetable garden, there is a better way of doing things, and that's by a, by adopting mm -hmm. a no dig approach. And for a no dig approach to be successful, you do need to make sure you've got rid of perennial weeds before you start. And that would obviously require a, a bit of digging. But then the principles of no dig, it's all about soil health, soil vitality, the structure, and letting nature do the work. So encouraging more, more life into your soil. And I think the one, one of the statistics that I, I love is if you take a handful of garden soil, in that handful of soil, there's more life than there are people on planet Earth. And when you start to think about it, that's, that's quite extraordinary, amazing. really. And there's so much going on in our soil that we just don't, we don't see, we don't probably understand. And I think the secret to great vegetable garden is with a lot more care and attention to the soil. So it's introducing garden compost, it's introducing organic matter and putting it on as a mulch and then allowing the earthworms to take it into the soil. And they're going to do your, your digging mm -hmm. for you. Clearly, if you get an area of compaction, you may, as Malcolm has said, need to, um, to, to, to loosen up the soil. And indeed, in my own vegetable garden, sometimes, you know, particularly alongside the runner beans, maybe after the, after the summer into the autumn, it's sometimes a benefit just with a garden fork, just to gently loosen the, the soil again to remove some of that compaction. But for, for the majority of the vegetable patch, you don't need to dig, I believe. You can let nature do the work for you. And even a crop like potatoes, and I think this is where Malcolm and I would probably disagree the most, I plant my potatoes on the surface and then I ridge them up. So I'm dragging the soil over the potatoes. I'm not into the massive earth moving that in fact in East Suffolk here is just beginning in the farmer's fields and they move tons and tons of earth when they're preparing the, the soil for their potato crops. But I don't believe if you've taken care of your soil, that's something you you, you need to do. Do you find that you still get the same sort of uh, bumper crop of potatoes that you might have done if you were digging or? Absolutely, Blake. I, I, I started doing um, no dig with potatoes. It was, it was a sort of a speed thing, really, because I didn't, I hadn't had time to properly prepare the soil, you know, in the traditional, um, the traditional way. So I thought, I know what, my soil's pretty good. Um, it's very friable. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a lovely silty loam. So I was, I placed the, the potatoes on the surface at the correct spacing, and then I dragged the earth up over them using a, um, a draw hoe, and that worked very successfully. I think it just depends, though, Paul, doesn't it, on what sort of soil you've got and and and, and so on. Uh, I my personal view is that there isn't a, a a solution that's perfect for every set of circumstances, um, and and I think if you've been used to a particular technique and it works for you, then why change? Absolutely. Well, this brings me on to my next question, um, which is going to be obviously with most things for all of the positives, there can be drawbacks as well. So what would you argue are the potential drawbacks of each other's methods? And then how would you argue to overcome them? I think one of the big drawbacks of digging is releasing 
carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. When you start turning the soil over, you are releasing the carbon dioxide out of um, out of the soil. And okay, you could say, well, my garden's only very small, and I'm not digging, you know, not digging very much. But it's all incremental help. Um, I think the um, uh, the, the, the the real drawback of digging for many people is it is quite hard work. And clearly there are some people who are less able to dig than others. And I think a, a, a no dig approach, especially if it's in raised bed, raised beds, brings vegetable garden, gardening um, and indeed flower gardening um, within reach of people who are perhaps um, not so physically able to do the hard manual labour. From my point of view, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't argue that no digging is not a good thing. I just think in certain circumstances, digging uh, is preferable. I think where the soil has become compacted, it's essential. I think sometimes when time is in short supply and you need to get things moving more quickly, then you need to dig. And sometimes when there are things buried in the soil that you really want out, whether it's lumps of rock or rubble or excess stones or, um, as I said before, the remnants of a previous crop, then sometimes you do need to dig. I wouldn't actually advocate it in all circumstances, and I certainly wouldn't knock what Paul's saying at all, but sometimes I think digging has its place. Well, it sounds like there's a fairly even argument on both sides there. It might be difficult for us to determine a winner, but perhaps what we can do is turn that out to our listeners and social media followers. If you can get in touch with us um, on the details in the episode description, we would love to hear which side of the fence you fall on. I know we're going to have lots of people writing in about that topic as well. It's very yes. hotly contested. Definitely. I'll, I'll, I'll await the feedback with interest. It's quite, <laughs> and, and, and with uh, some nervousness. Could I just give you my buried treasure story, which I, I, I started on? So as a small boy, my, I sort of learned my gardening from my father and he was digging potatoes. And we lived sort of out in the countryside and he got his you know, favorite fork out and he was digging away at the potatoes. And up came the fork with a load of potatoes with what looked like a potato stuck on one of the tines of the fork. And anyway, he pulled this thing off and it looked like a misshapen cotton reel is the best way I'd describe it. And anyway, he was very keen on history and he took it to Ipswich Museum and it was subsequently identified as an Iron Age loom weight. Oh, wow. And uh, it came up out of our vegetable garden one one day in the summer. So Malcolm's quite right. You never know what you might find <laughs> in the garden. I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is, that is a great story and what a find. Um, also, it's probably worth saying to listeners of The Dirt who perhaps haven't listened to all of our previous episodes, we did our very very first episode actually of the dirt was a lovely chat with Charles Dowding so anyone who wants more no dig tips head back to that episode but yeah we will certainly update you on the the results but in the meantime if people want to do a little bit of shopping for their garden they can head across to um, would you like to tell us what the website is and a little bit about what's on there so if you go to the marshallsgarden.com website you'll find a very wide range of seeds, both vegetable and flower, young vegetable plants, and the full range of grow-your-own plants, including soft fruit and top fruit, uh, ornamental plants, everything from young plants and seedlings, um, larger 
um, plugs right through to finished trees and then a complete range of hardware, all sorts of tools, even get your sheds and greenhouses and compost delivered to your door. Uh, a very convenient one-stop shop. That's great. And um, thank you both very much for joining us for the debate today. We all look forward to revealing the results in a later episode. So, Blake, shall we go and grab a drink and sit down for our team chat? Let's do that. Blake, I have some news for you. Well, sort of news sort of an update that might help you. Hit me. So you know how a couple of weeks back on this very podcast, um, you were saying how you had accidentally killed most of the houseplants that you took home from the office. Yes, I do remember that. And I regret telling everybody that I can't look after plants in my house. But there we are. I don't think it's anything to be ashamed of because I have a theory that this has been a common lockdown problem because... I have come across in the last few days a number of features. There's how not to kill your houseplants, a guide to indoor gardening on the times. There's never kill a plant again with this expert tip for choosing a houseplant on livingetc.com and houseplant advice you should ignore on The Guardian from James Wong. Not saying you should ignore James Wong's advice. He's telling you what advice you should ignore, (laughs) just for clarity. So... Something tells me this is not a problem that you're alone with. Well, that's good. I mean, it's not really making me feel much better as I look around the room and see some empty plant pots. But I do feel at least like it's not just me and um, perhaps I'm not the only one doing stuff wrong. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it seems to be like make sure that your plants are suitable for your environment in the first place. Mm. Um, I mean, and on James Wong's feature, there's one that really deeply upsets me. It says, misting plant leaves with water is a practice that's been recommended for more than a century as a way of increasing humidity for forest species that hate dry indoor air. Admittedly, it's really effective at doing that for about 10 minutes before the benefits literally evaporate. Trials have shown that you'd have to be misting at least once an hour to make a significant change to the ambient air humidity. Oh, okay. I love misting my plants. It's like a little nice relaxing minute of my day. Yeah, I find it quite satisfying. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you get a misting, you get a misting. I'm just like spraying the little sprayer all around. Oh, that's such a shame. I'm not sure I can commit to once an hour. (laughs) Nor should you have to. You know, like I like doing it, but I don't like doing it so much that I'm going to, you know, get up every hour to do it. Um, Also, I think another common thing with houseplants, like the reason that I've always struggled with houseplants until my precious houseplants you got me for my birthday, um, is that I have a compulsive need to like feed and love things. Mm -hmm. So you know how overwatering is a real problem? Yeah. I have to actively be like step away from the houseplants because I know you just want to show them that you care, but you will kill them. It's so difficult to like remind yourself of that though because you feel like you're doing something so good. You're like, I'm going to give you this bucket of water and it's too much. Um, too much love. But yeah, I mean, the moral of the story is I just wanted you to know you are not alone and there are many resources out there to help you make perfect choices for your <laughs> house environment when you next go to the garden centre. 
I'm not ready yet. I need to give it a bit of time, reflect on where I went wrong with some of my plants. And some of them are still fine, but some of the ones that have uh, are looking a little worse for wear, I need to take some time to think about that before I go and spend a load of money on some new ones. See, you know? I feel like we should note down the exact day and time that you said this, because next time we're on here and you're like, so I was at the garden centre and... <laughs> I know, you know, it's going to be like... <laughs> A matter of weeks before that happens but gonna show some restraint here um I found something quite interesting this week actually or, yeah it was recently that I was just scrolling through Instagram and I follow yeah. obviously lots of gardening accounts and one of the people that I follow Poppy Okocha I absolutely love the stuff that she posts because it's always those things where you're like find it really interesting yeah. so it's jam-packed with info that you didn't know or that kind of that kind of thing so recently she um posted that she's been out foraging uh or I'm not even sure whether she went out intending to forage anything mm. but anyway she was out for a walk in a local woodland area and she's uh, based in Devon um and she found some kiwis so what? uh yeah kiwis which on I just foraging walk. I know but it's not the That's sort of thing so you'd cool. necessarily expect to see maybe I'm just not looking up enough when I'm out for my walks but I don't think yeah. I've ever seen um, an actual kiwi tree you know that you could go and pick some fruit from but anyway she did and she posted about it and um, took them home made some really cool stuff with it uh, like kiwi chutney um, so that looked pretty cool and then she's That's been amazing. posting some updates on how you could grow kiwis in your own back garden which I found really interesting yeah again not really your first thought when you come to growing fruit in the UK I don't think um, but it was quite useful so if you're interested in trying something new and you wanted to give kiwi growing a go I suggest you go and take a look at her feed so her oh, handle on yes. Instagram is poppio kocha um, and read up on some of those tips that she's given oh I definitely will I am um, it actually reminds me I really wanted to grow kiwi berries oh yeah so they're like the little smaller yeah like little hairless ones and also, I heard that you can dehydrate them and then they become like natural fruit gummies, Ooh. which, you know, sounds fun. And also going to be keeping my eyes much more open on my walks. Yeah, I know. I just feel like I must walk with my head looking. I've always been told, like I remember growing up, wherever you walk, look up. Even if you're walking through a city centre, like there's always really cool things up and around. So um, I need to follow that advice more. Yeah, that's such good advice. Um, so I might go out and walk around my local area looking for fruit. And while I do that, <laughs> I believe you have some jobs on the plot for us. I do, yeah. Now we've hopefully seen the last of the worst winter weather for the year, the garden calendar will soon be kicking into action. It's a good idea to warm the soil up on your plot before you start sowing and you can do this by popping cloches or some horticultural fleece over the ground. Doing so encourages the seeds to germinate more quickly thanks to the elevated temperature. As we enter the run up to spring, herbs growing in containers will benefit from a top dressing. Green waste compost should do the trick and just finish off with a layer of gravel. You can also boost your kitchen supplies by sprinkling parsley seed into a pot and keeping on a warm, sunny windowsill. If you've been cosied up in the warmth of your house over winter, you may not have had a chance to give your much-loved tools some TLC. If not, pop to the shed, armed with a stiff brush and cloth, and give them a thorough once-over. 
You may find you need to sharpen some, treat rust patches on others, or even replace the odd one this year, and finding these early in the season will make sure you're prepared for the chaos of spring ahead. Have a lovely week, and until next time, from all of us, happy growing! Thanks again for joining us for this episode of The Dirt, in partnership with Marshalls. Marshalls Garden is an online gardening shop where it's easy to find everything you need for gardening all in one place. Founded over 75 years ago, its heritage is in supplying vegetable seeds and plants, including seed potatoes, onions, fruit plants and trees to grow your own gardeners. The company's passion, expertise and excellence continues in 2021, where it will launch over 130 new seed varieties. Specialists in garden care, Marshalls has the best range of compost, fertilisers, controls and hardware you will find online. Order from the easy-to-use website or from the delightful catalogue for convenient delivery direct to your door. You'll find lots of help and advice on the website, including growing guides, seasonal advice, monthly jobs and inspiration for projects to do in the garden. Just visit marshallsgarden.com for more. And don't forget to subscribe for free to make sure you never miss an episode of The Dirt. We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell all your lovely garden and allotment neighbours where to find us. Plus, as a special treat... We've got an exclusive Grow Your Own magazine offer just for the dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash gpod7, that's G-P-O-D and the number 7, or call 0800 904 7000 and quote gpod7 to receive seven issues of our magazine Grow Your Own straight to your door for just $29.99. That's $11.94 off. Every issue is edited by me and the team and is packed with gardening advice and jobs to tick off your list and a big bonus. Each magazine comes with a selection of free seeds so you can get growing straight away. Check the episode notes for details and terms. And on a final exciting note, we're on the hunt for podcast guests and the next one could be you or someone you know. If you, a friend or a family member, has some great gardening advice, dirty gardening secrets or funny plot disasters they'd like to share, let us know by emailing thedirt at growfruitandveg.co.uk.